0: Awesome. Um, this series, You Plus Me, is just a good opportunity for us to, to talk marriage. And, um, and that is obviously kind of a nice thing, a good thing for those of you that are married. Uh, but those of you that aren't, when you hear we're doing a marriage series, then it's like, oh, well, I can leave for the next month or <laughs> wish I weren't here or whatever. Um, but like we talked about a little bit last week, I think if you're not married, um, then there, there may be a moment where you... Uh, are married, either for the first time or again. And to just come back around some good thoughts from the scriptures about what God intended for marriage is helpful. Um, We also know that that a lot of times what happens in here isn't just for you. And that as you receive God's word here, that sometimes it's so that um, you can now pass that on. Um, You're equipped with the truth. You're equipped with God's words that you might be a blessing to someone else or In the context of this series and really marriage in general, it's always a picture of something so much bigger uh, than just you and a spouse, but rather a relationship that God wants to have with every single one of us, an intimate one. And so at some level, this is for for all of us. Um, When I was 17 years old, I I took a class through the California Highway Patrol uh, to get my motorcycle license. And uh, this was something that they offered if you had no background in riding motorcycles. And I did not. I'd never ridden a dirt bike or anything like that. So um, this would allow me to to get my license and not have to take the driving part of the motorcycle test if I passed the the class. And one thing that they did in the, the, the actual riding portion, they put us on tiny little motorcycles out in a parking lot. And an instructor kind of coached us through uh, how to do everything on the on the bike. And one thing that all these years later has stuck with me was they they were trying to teach us how to turn the motorcycle. And and so they they had to start off heading straight ahead, but they put the instructor way over here at the apex of the turn. And when the instructor knew it was about time for us to begin to turn the bike, he would just start screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And as he did that, your head would naturally whip over and then naturally the bike would go where you were looking. And that principle has stuck with me ever since. That that where you're looking, where you're focused, that will usually determine where you head. And those of you that ride motorcycles know that that's true, but the rest of us know that that's true in just about every area of your life. Whatever has your focus, wherever you're looking, then naturally your life, your resources, your energy will start to head that direction. And when I think about marriage, I think it's very much the same same thing in marriage. That That where I'm looking, where I'm focused, what I believe to be the goal or the purpose of my marriage is probably where I will head. And so I think it's worth asking a question this morning. And the question is simply this. What is the mission of your marriage? What's the mission of your marriage? Um, Because it's, it's worth even asking, because if you don't ask it Um, It may become any number of things. My dad used to say, if you don't know where you're headed, any road will do. And that can be the case in the context of of marriage. Um, If you don't pick, if you don't decide, if you don't think about it, if there is no mission for your marriage, then what tends to happen is your marriage becomes the mission of your marriage. Uh, Comfort, uh, joy, uh, happiness, uh, help. That becomes the mission. And then that becomes where all of your attention gets focused on keeping the joy, keeping the happiness, uh, keeping the comfort level up. And then your marriage then just by default becomes trying to live up to each other's expectations. Which is all well and good when there's a lot of joy and a lot of help and a lot of comfort and a lot of happiness. But when there isn't, joy when there isn't the help when there isn't the comfort when the expectations start to fall through the cracks then your marriage has the opportunity to fall through the cracks and so I don't think uh, your marriage in and of itself is mission enough and what's more is I think we do this in our own lives uh, we can make uh, just individually, you can make money the mission of your life, you can make a career the mission of your life, you can make family the mission of your life. And th- those aren't evil, those aren't bad in and of themselves, but none of those really make a good overall mission for your life and none of those in and of themselves have the ability to lift up your life. Uh, they don't have the ability to to empower your your life for something bigger than you. And so what I'm going to throw out there this morning is, is not rocket science um, as usual. I'm not a rocket. I'm not a smart man. I'm a simple man. And I, I get hung up on the simplest of things. But for me, um, I, I believe wholeheartedly. That the same mission that Jesus calls His followers to should be the same mission for your marriage. That I think that as followers of Jesus, we we have been called into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And He's given us a mission. And what I'm going to say is that I think the mission for me as a follower of Jesus should be the same mission that I'm on in the context of my marriage. It should certainly start in the context of my marriage. If it's true for me as a follower of Jesus in general, then it should be very true, extra true for me as a husband. And so we could boil it all down. We could go around a whole bunch of different angles and there's a lot of different ins and outs of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the mission that we're all on. But if I had to boil it down... I would say that, that the mission that I've got as a follower of Jesus is to reflect a selfless Jesus to everybody around me. I, I want to reflect a selfless Jesus to every single person around me. I want to do that at home. I want to do that here at church. I want to do that out in my neighborhood or in our community. Wherever I go, I want to myself be growing more and more in Christ-likeness. And then show people around me what Jesus is like. Because I think Jesus did an amazing work in my heart and my life. It changed everything for me. And I want Him to change everything for you and everything for our community. And He gave me um, His Spirit to go to work on me. He's enabling me to follow Him and to reflect Him. And so that mission to reflect a selfless Jesus is... Something I hope that our entire church does. You know, we say it before, we, we, we've heard it before, that, you know, whatever, you're the only Bible somebody might read, you're the only Jesus somebody knows. And so it's worth that consideration. Like, are we giving people an accurate picture of what Christ is really like? We know somewhere in us, if you've walked with God for just a little while, The intent is not just to bottle up who he is and what he's done in our life, but that it would show up. That Jesus' love for me would show up in the way that I love other people. And I think his love was marked by a self-sacrificing love. That's true for the love that was expressed to me. It was expressed to you. If you're watching online, that self-sacrificing love was expressed to you as well. It's expressed to the entire world. And I want to reflect that sort of love. But I think it needs to start at home. I think I need to reflect the selfless Jesus to my Anna. And if I'm not doing that in my marriage, I'm missing what it really means to be a godly husband. I'm also missing what it means to be a real follower of Jesus. And more than we normally do this morning, I'm going to go through a handful of verses that kind of paint this picture from Scripture. I'm not making this up on my own. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Philippians, if you would. And go to chapter 2. If you need a Bible, raise a hand. Someone will bring you one and then you can follow along. And uh, feel free to keep the Bible that they give you this morning too if you don't own your own Bible. Philippians chapter 2. It's a, it's a familiar passage that we're going to look at first. But it gives us this amazing picture of our selfless Jesus. And Paul writing this to the believers in Philippi it was kind of this urban center. And as a culture, the Philippians really had a high value on status. They had a high value, uh, value on the way um, they looked and their the fame reigned in, in Philippi. And Paul saying, as followers of Jesus, I need you to be counter-cultural. I know your culture values popularity. I know your culture values status. But... I don't need you to match up with the culture. I need you to stand out from the culture. And so what Jesus modeled for us uh, didn't have much to do with popularity or pride or lifting himself up. What Jesus modeled was making himself low. What Jesus modeled was humility. And so he, he says, if if you get that that's what Jesus is like and what he's done for you, then we're to follow in his footsteps, we're to follow in his example. And so he describes it this way, Philippians 2, verse 1 and on. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. In other words, if you've received anything out of coming into a relationship with God. Uh, If you got a relationship with God through Jesus, you're now intimate with him. You're one with God Almighty. If you've got anything from that, then you should reflect that oneness in the way that you become one with each other. Uh, God wants us to be one with him and then that oneness, that unity should be represented in the church, in the body of Christ. And so if we're one with him, then that should show up in in not us being disjointed and arguing and fractured, splintered, but the body of Christ should be one. If we, in fact, are one with him and amazing things happen when we we become one when we become unified and then he gets to real nuts and bolts here some really cool like specifics again that are not rocket science that that if we if we follow Jesus example in selflessness it's going to lead to oneness if we follow Jesus example of being selfless then this is going to bring us closer together as as, as friends, as family, and it sure, surely should work in the context of marriage. And look how practical this gets. Here's what it looks like. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. <laughs> Take notes. This is good. Don't be selfish. You want a great marriage? Don't be selfish. You want a horrible mar- marriage? Be selfish. And so, Father, we thank you for having us here today, and we could, we could call it quits. That could be the end of the, the whole deal right now. Some of you are going, I wish it was the end of the whole deal, because I sense what's coming, and I don't want to hear it. But this is it. Don't be selfish. You think back on any given moment, I mean any relationship, and when you're dealing with a selfish person, does that ever make the relationship better? No. No. You're dealing with selfless people, and that has an opportunity to bring real closeness. And if that's true in the context of relationships, how much more is that true in the context of marriage? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Rather in humility. Value others better than yourselves. Where humility reigns, you will find close relationships. Where pride reigns, you will find separation. Rather in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Here's the reality. Nobody in this room is better than anybody else. But what if we treated each other as if the other person were better than us? That that in the context of friendships, we just treated each other as if they were better. Humbling ourselves before our brothers and sisters, our family members, our friends, our co-workers. What if we did that in the context of our marriages? I humbled myself and I I consider Anna better than me. Now in this case, she is better than me. But... (laughs) But I, I want to walk consistently in a way that treats her as if she, she is better. And she does that back with me. That only brings us together. Uh, looking not to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And that, that's, that's always good for relationships, when you're not just looking out for yourself, but you're looking out for the other person. And if that's true in a relationship, how much more true in the context of marriage Uh, Looking out for each other's interests though, can be hard because in order to know what the other person is interested in, it might mean that you need to listen more than you talk. You may need to find out what what's hurting you, what's frustrating you, what's bothering you, what what are you dreaming about? What do you wish you had more of less of? I want to hear what's going on in your heart and in your soul. I just want to listen. And when I find out what your interests are, what's going on internally here, then would you find me looking out for that? Protecting that, shepherding that, caring for that part of you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Looking not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he wraps it up with this summary statement, which just says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, there there it is. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same attitude as Jesus in the way that you treat other people, in the way that you act and interact, have the same mindset as Jesus, have the same attitude as Jesus. And the rest of the passage goes on to describe exactly what the mindset or the attitude of Jesus was. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a what? Servant. And he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and earth and under the earth. And so Jesus modeled for us uh, humility. He modeled for us uh, uh, obedience to the Father. He, he modeled for us uh, a self-sacrificing, servant-minded lifestyle. And that's what we are to reflect, this selfless Jesus, to everybody around us. And if that is true for followers of Christ, then shouldn't that be true, first and foremost, right in our marriages? I think so. Jesus modeled this self-sacrificing love. First John chapter 3 Verse 16 puts it this way this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I mean, he is the model, the example of love. Greater love has no one than this, that he would buy dozens of roses every single day for his wife. Nuh-uh. Greater love has no one than this, that you and I would lay down our lives for each other. That we would be self sacrificing in the love that we have. That would be selfless. And then that's what we got in Jesus. That's what we re- received from Jesus. That's the example before us in Jesus. And now we're called to missionally follow in his steps, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If that's true, if we are called to reflect that selfless Jesus to the brethren, to the sisterhood, then how much more so in the context of marriage? I should be laying down my life for this woman. I should be selfless in the way that I interact with her. Why? Because that's my mission, first and foremost, as a follower of Jesus. It should also be my mission in my marriage. And now Paul bridges the gap between just this concept of our mission as Christ followers and brings it literally brings it home. In Ephesians chapter five verse 25, he says, "Husbands, love your wives." Just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Husbands, it starts with us. We're supposed to love our wives. How much? As much as Jesus loved the church. How much did Jesus love the church? He loved her so much that He laid down His life for her. The selfless, selfless love of Jesus was poured out for the church. And husbands, we should be selfless in the way that we pour out our love for our spouses. And I I think it goes both ways. And when that starts to happen, oh my goodness. You think back on any relationship that went sideways. I guarantee at some point selfishness came into play. But I, I can almost bet that when... When, when that started to get fixed, if it did, it's when selflessness started to reign. And somebody gave up and somebody submitted and somebody said, I don't, need, I don't need anything other than just to be selfless. I'm going to let God take care of me and I want to take care of you. That's not easy. We've been married, it'll be 13 years next year. And when we went into marriage... I didn't have one selfish bone in my body, none. I didn't think I did. And like a month into marriage, I went, oh, I'm the most wretched, selfish human being on the planet. You, you put the toilet paper on which way? You do what with the toothpaste tube? What's going on here? I mean, you wish, right, that that's all it was when it came to marriage? I mean, that's the most irritating stuff, but it gets worse from there, right? And you were looking at each other going, what's up with all this? Why are you so weird? And why are you so annoying? And, and yet, we, we stumbled on this. I don't think that we were real strategic about it at all. But what happened was, is Anna loves Jesus. And I love Jesus. And the mission of our marriage wasn't our marriage. We, we just wanted to honor the Lord. And so we just kept keeping all of our junk uh, before Him. And for for several years, they're just going, Okay, here you go. Uh, you, You get brought into close proximity like that in the context of marriage where people are that close to you and they can see all your junk and all your issues and all your weaknesses and all your flaws. And marriage has got a way of exposing selfishness in you. And when marriage exposes selfishness, then it also exposes failure. But then failure comes up and then that leads you to have the opportunity to depend on God and be open to his spirit. But then when you depend on God and are open to his spirit after failure, then that leads to godliness But that means I need to keep that junk before my spouse and before my Lord and then let him work on it rather than hide it or me run away. Marriage has an amazing way to scrub your heart clean of selfishness if you will let him do that. That's where it's so difficult. That's where it's so challenging. Because I don't like scrubbing. And it's not me that said it, but that that concept is so true that maybe God's given us marriage more to make us holy than to make us happy. But if we're honest with ourselves and honest before God, I don't know if a lot of us even really want to be holy because it's hard. And if marriage is a tool that produces this chisel effect on my soul, and I get why a lot of us just want to cut bait and run. But the problem is, is that's, that's cutting God's work short. and It's not what our Savior did for us. He didn't get into our junk and go, ooh, I see that. I'm out of here. The Savior comes in and says, I get you fully inside and out, and I am going to lay down my life for you. That's our model and our example from our Jesus. And I'm supposed to reflect that. I can't do that apart from Him. You can't do that apart from Him. But with Him, you can. And the back half of Ephesians 5, if we just wrap that back up, He goes on to say, He gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so now we start to see that, that the mission of marriage is it's so much bigger. It's pointing to a so much bigger picture than just you and your spouse. It's so much bigger. Does marriage bring joy and happiness and comfort and help? Of course, it certainly can. But it doesn't just bring that it brings a picture to the world of an intimate relationship, a deep, committed relationship that God desires to have with us. There's so much more on stake here than just you and your spouse or you and your kids. There's a living, fleshed out symbol to everybody around us of how deeply committed God is to His people that's showing up in our marriages. Broken or not, difficult or not, you're single or married or not, you just need to hear, maybe this is it for you this morning, that our Jesus is so deeply committed to you. And your spouse may not have been to you. You may have bobbled the ball and you may not have been to them. But Jesus has not given up on you. Jesus has not given up on them. Where Jesus is, there is hope, there is healing, there is restoration. But in the context of marriage, what picture he's painting, like Pastor John did several weeks ago in his communion message, such a powerful picture of of the marriage language that's used there in our intimacy with God. And that goes throughout Scripture. This big picture that your marriage is painting is fantastic. You get to the end of the Bible, the last book of your Bible, at the end of the last book of your Bible, the end times of the end times. You get to Revelation. You go to chapter 19 and it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Uh, Your marriage paints a picture of the marriage between Christ the groom and who is going at the second coming, going to come and usher in the wedding celebration of all celebrations. Between he is the groom and his bride, the church, followers of his. And there will be this huge wedding celebration. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. It goes on next to say, Fine linen, stand for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, uh, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Um, You've you've been proposed to. You've been called to engagement by Jesus Christ. And, And that's true for every single one of you in here. The you plus him is, is the most powerful part of the equation here. Way more than the you plus your, your spouse, even though that's, I think, one of the most special things this side of heaven that we could ever experience. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It's all marriage language. Uh, the relationship that God has called us to, it's a unity, it's a committed relationship. And, and the closest thing, even though it pales in comparison, that we have this side of heaven, this side of Christ's second coming, is your marriage. Marriage. And that marriage that we have with Him was made possible because of the selfless act of Jesus Christ. The self-sacrificing love of Jesus made the most wretched, broken of relationships be made whole. And i got to think that just in the context of our families, our marriages, our homes, that when we reflect the selfless nature of Jesus... And the way that we interact with our spouses, that 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 can bring unity, that can bring healing, that can bring strength and restoration and hope. If you're not married today, then then make that the mission to so just to reflect a selfless Jesus to your spouse someday, and see how that goes. Many of you in, in here are are just recently on the on the other side of a really difficult decision or moment with your spouse. And it's not going well, or it's already ended, and it's not, not been good. And um, now for you just to model the selfless Jesus to that person. Maybe they have the one that, that's been very, very selfish, and you're stuck. What can you do? You can own you. And you can still model and follow the selfless Jesus. You do your part. And God's got to work with them. He's a way better shepherd of His people than any of us ever will be. And so you let, them, let God go to work on them. And you, you invite Him to go to work on you. And try to walk that out as faithfully as you can. Empowered by His Holy Spirit. I... Uh, I've got the most um, self-sacrificing wife. And it showed up for me um, 13 years ago in just just the, the best way possible. And I'm not going to go into details because it wouldn't be appropriate here. But I will tell you that our opening honeymoon week, um, all of my... Uh, Crushed soul and spirit and brokenness came to the surface on our honeymoon. And Anna had an opportunity that week to be very, very selfish. This is not what the honeymoon's supposed to be for. This is not what I hoped. This isn't the best. This isn't the party that I was thinking it was going to be. Instead, she got a broken man in tears and processing through a whole bunch of stuff. And one night she just continued to speak life over me and she continued to communicate to me um, her commitment to me, her love to me, regardless of uh, what was going on in my heart and my, on the opening week. And it was the selfless Jesus that was showing up in her that, um, It allowed me to experience what I would say is the closest thing I've ever felt to some sort of uh, supernatural healing in my heart and my soul and my life. It's because she was walking with Jesus. And she was showing me what being in close proximity with Jesus could feel like. And it really did change everything for me. And now we're just trying to reflect the selfless Jesus day by day with each other. We want to reflect that to each other. We want to reflect that to our boys and to our little girl. We want to reflect that wherever we go. We believe that when we reflect the selfless Jesus to each other, that is going to bring us closer together. But it's also going to show the world the bigger picture of which marriage was painting all along. And that is a relationship that we've got with God. And so if I've got joy in my marriage, it reflects the joy that I can have in a relationship walking with Jesus. If I'm experiencing the chisel effect, the sanctifying work of being one with another person and having selfishness sandpapered off and all my personal issues jackhammered off the, my heart, then that represents and reflects the chisel effect of the Holy Spirit as I walk with Him. If I've got hope and help in my marriage, it reflects the hope and the help that can be had as I walk in a marriage relationship with my Jesus. And that's true for every single one of you in here. And so, Father, we do ask You for help. We do ask You for hope. We do ask You for for strength. I pray over the married couples in here that You would allow them to walk in the manner of their Savior with regard to each other. that That You would heal. That You would fortify their hearts and their souls that you would give them the ability to be selfless instead of selfish. That you would allow humility to reign instead of pride. And that that would draw them closer together. I pray also, Father, for the single people here I'm so burdened for. Regardless of what stage their life uh, they're in, God, would you impress upon them that just as they sit, just as they are right here and right now, that if they've got a relationship with You, that they are in an intimate, deep, committed relationship with the God of the universe, and that they would sense and feel that that is no small thing, that Your love for them is overwhelming and powerful. I pray for those that are just really broken and struggling with this whole area. We pray, Father, for the other party involved and ask that You would turn their hearts. And I pray for the others that, that God, You would just allow them to associate with You and link themselves to You in that most tangible but difficult of ways, that as they suffer for doing what's good, You would bless them. That if they suffer for walking in the same manner as Jesus, You would bless them. We know, Father, that those that walk selflessly will be blessed, and we know that those that walk selfishly, they'll be destroyed. And we ask, Father, that You would hear us saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, and we'd follow your direction. Follow your example. And we pray that your grace and patience would be extended to those that are going the other direction and that your kindness would lead them to repentance. And right now, Father, we, before we leave, before we move, we just we just sing these words to you, asking you to have the world fade and even the issues of our marriage fade and let you And everything that you are, overshadow everything that is in our day to day. We lift our voices to you and we seek you now to that end. In Jesus' name.